Welcome to Expert Gold Radio, which shows you how to leverage your leadership. Here's your host, Gahan Pereira, for this month's show. Welcome to Expert Gold Radio for September 2014. This episode, this month, is all about online collaboration. Now, collaboration is a hot topic at the moment, and the internet's made it both easier and harder. So on the one hand, it's so much easier now to collaborate with people from anywhere in the world. You don't have to travel to see them. But on the other hand, there's so much online collaboration now that some people are worried that we're losing the value of exactly those jump on a plane to see you uh, collaborations which you have in person with people. A couple of weeks ago, I was speaking in Singapore at the Travel Managers National Conference, and this is a group of travel agents who all work from home. Now, of course, all travel agents work online with certain people like suppliers and airlines and hotels and tour groups and so on. But these travel agents sometimes also work online and have to collaborate with their customers and clients. And that's just one example of an industry where online collaboration is much more important than ever before. And it's not an isolated example either. So regardless of your business or industry, chances are you've got to work together far more often with your clients, your suppliers, your peers, your colleagues, even with your competitors. So let's talk about how to make that work. So let's talk about online collaboration, both the principles and some of the tools. So I'm going to do this by sharing with you two conversations that I had with my friend Chris Pudney from our podcast, the Out of Office podcast, where we do talk about exactly this, online collaboration. So in this first episode, we talk about our six principles for online collaboration. Whilst online collaboration does have some similarities to collaboration that's done face-to-face, there are some significant differences. And for that reason, we've come up with these uh, six principles that will help you avoid some of the potential pitfalls or problems that you might not necessarily be aware of if you haven't done online collaboration before. So we've got six of them, and we're going to cover each of them in turn. And so I'll hand back to you, Gihan, for the first. Okay, and the first one is about using the cloud. And, we, uh, and the cloud is now becoming ubiquitous almost. And uh, so our, the principle is as far as possible, use the cloud for collaboration. So if you're already using cloud software, whether that's uh, Google Docs or Dropbox or the new Google Cloud, Google Drive, which I've just heard about recently, if you're already using that, it's, it's so much easier. But you may be using non-cloud-based services like Microsoft Word, in which case it just takes a little bit more effort. But we still recommend that you use a cloud as much as possible. And one of the things that I've discovered, uh, particularly in the last couple of years, Chris, is that um, as a general rule of thumb, start by assuming it can be done in the cloud and uh, only only go back to non-cloud solution if the cloud-based solution isn't available because it's amazing now what is available, what sort of things you can do just by using cloud-based services. Yeah, and just as a, as a quick example, Chris, I've just got a new PC and a new phone, as it turns out. I, I bought them both in the last month or so. Mm-hmm. And setting up the phone was so much easier than setting up the PC. Now, obviously, a phone is a lot less complex than a PC. But setting up my new phone, because I have my contacts, my calendar, uh-huh. a lot of my email in the cloud, uh, even my apps in the Google Google Marketplace, the, the Play Store, because they are already in the cloud, when I set up my – when I turned my phone on and it asked for my Google account, I gave it my Google, my Gmail address, and it automatically synchronized everything. So I didn't have to manually transfer a lot of stuff across from my old phone to my new phone. Whereas with my PC, I had to install a lot of new software. I had to uh, copy all my data files across. It was so much more complicated. Uh, But because a lot of my phone data was cloud-based, it was so much easier. 
Okay, I see. All right, our second principle for online collaboration is show your face. So when you're working online, you may well find that you're working with people you've never met face-to-face and you won't meet them for the duration of the project. So for that reason, it's important that you relax a bit, uh, be a bit human, share your personality with others and allow them to share share theirs with you as well. So... Because you're not going to have that face-to-face rapport, you have to work a little bit uh, to to do that kind of thing. Uh, It's not going to happen necessarily naturally. Um, So the sorts of facilities that allow you to do that are things like profiles on different social networking websites, for example. So you can set up a a Facebook profile or your Twitter profile or whatever. You can uh, include a a shot of yourself as your avatar. You can provide a few facts about yourself, some interesting facts. But you don't want to overshare, so don't uh, give away your your address and your phone numbers uh, unless it's appropriate to do so within the context of the project. Yeah, and I think you've found this, haven't you, Chris, that because you're a full-time, you're an e-worker, so you're a full-time telecommuter, there are people that you've never met before, that are your colleagues, but you meet them face-to-face at a conference and you realise something about them that perhaps you didn't know and maybe things that you didn't know that maybe they're sharing uh, earlier made it easier for you to do that face-to-face collaboration. Yeah, that's right. So uh, some of the people that I work with um, I might meet them further down the track and uh, you get a bit of a surprise because they've not necessarily shared much information about themselves with you. It's only been prof- uh, professional contact that you've had through things like email or the occasional telephone call. So until you meet them, uh, you don't necessarily have that, that kind of information about them. And so, as I say, you have to, you have to work a bit harder to try and uh, inject a bit of your personality into your collaboration, but without overdoing it. Yep, I agree. So, so those first two things, like using the cloud and uh, showing your face, that's about setting up. So now let's look at actually collaborating on a particular task. And the first of our principles around this is letting go of perfection. So this is one thing that I've, I've often struggled with, Chris. <laughs> and uh, I, I guess the principle is uh, aim for it to be 80% right and 100% complete. In other words, get it out there, even if it's not perfect. That doesn't mean that you have to release a shoddy product or to, to compromise your standards. But the the idea is don't try and control everybody in the team. So don't try to control the whole process, the whole outcome, the whole project, because you may not be working as closely together as you might be if you're all working together in an office. So if something's important, like if there is an important point that needs to be raised, then then you should definitely raise it and, and fight for it. You should definitely not just let things slide just because somebody's not in the same office as you are. However, use your use your judgment in this, that a collaborative effort is that. It's collaborative. It doesn't mean that everyone's going to get 100% of what they want, but it does mean that, that you work together to create something that's a quality product or a, provide a quality service. Uh, don't compromise, but also let go of perfection. Don't let perfection get in the way of you completing your project. And I think that's inevitable, isn't it, Gihan? When you're working on a project as part of a team, whether it's online or not, um, it's, it, you're seldom going to come up with uh, a result that satisfies every, 100% of the team members, uh, 100% of their, their satisfaction. There's going to have to be compromise. That's right. And I guess with face-to-face teams, and particularly when you're working together in the same office, it's sometimes easier to have meetings where you thrash out these issues and people Mm. might get closer to their 100%. Whereas if you're working in an online team, you might have an online meeting and then you go away for a week and work work on things separately. So you're maybe not face-to-face together as often to be able to thrash out these issues and and fight for what's important. So let go of maybe lower what you think of as uh, 
has to be there. Uh, so don't go for perfection. Just go for good enough. Okay. So the next principle that we have is working to a plan. So when you're collaborating, you need to have a really clear plan. Everyone really needs to understand uh, what uh, timeline they're working to, the milestones along that timeline, what's going to be delivered and when, and you've got to make sure that everybody knows and understands that. And that's, that's particularly important for online collaboration because you don't necessarily have that casual contact with your team members when you're working online. You've got uh, less contact, and so it's really important that these sorts of things are clear. And also, uh, the team that you're working with when you're collaborating online might be one of these ad hoc teams that's been put together just for the particular project that you're working on. You might never have worked together before. So again, that clarity and that understanding is really important uh, for this kind of collaboration. I think this is a really important point, Chris, and it's one of those things that trips up teams who are working online for the first time or they're not used to it. Because when you are working together in an office, you kind of know what everyone's doing. Uh, You may not know a second by second, minute by minute, but you kind of know what people are working on. You kind of know if somebody's taking a day off uh, or if they've come in early or they're working late for some other reason. Um, And you know that and you know what's going on in their life. With With an online team, you don't. And that's part of the beauty of it, that you can set the deadlines, you can set the outcomes, you can set your milestones, and then you leave people to work um, at their own at their own pace, in their own time, whenever they want to. So, for example, Chris, like when you and I were working on our book together, we had certain goals that we wanted to have a draft by this stage, we want to have reviews done by this stage. But I had no idea when you were working on it. And for me, I tended to work early in the mornings, and uh, I would spend maybe half an hour a day on the book, or maybe all of a Friday afternoon on the book but you didn't know that and you didn't care and we were comfortable with that but it's very difficult for people who are working in an office uh, where they know where everybody else is at any time to just to switch their mindset to working to a plan and just just caring about the outcome and not about the process that that brings it into place yeah absolutely and so uh, i guess following on from that is our next principle which is setting the ground rules so this is understanding not just your milestones and deliverables, but understand how the collaboration is going to work. So it's not just about a plan, but it's just but it's about making sure that you haven't made any assumptions that are going to trip you up. And the things, the simple things, the simple things which once you once you understand them and you realize them, they're easy to take into account. However, if you don't, they can trip you up. So, for example, if you say something that we, we need to have this report by 5 p.m. tomorrow. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean 5 p.m. in my time zone? Does it mean 5 p.m. in your time zone? Does it mean 5 p.m. GMT? Does it mean what and, and it really does make a difference when you make uh, when you state things like that if you're working in different time zones or different countries or working with different currencies uh, or working with different um, documents in different formats you just got to make sure that everyone understands what they're working towards otherwise i might deliver it at 5 p.m but actually it was um, you know, 7 p.m in sydney and it was too late for the, the person i was delivering it to so just be really clear about those sort of assumptions that you might be making things that you don't have to necessarily think about when you're working next to somebody in an office but you have to but you have to think about when you're working remotely Um, another really common one is what happens if you're working on something and you get stuck and you need some help so and the other person isn't there to help you do you 
do you agree among yourselves that there's, there's certain things that you absolutely must stop and wait for, wait for input and feedback, or do you just go ahead and do the best you can and then uh, get the feedback later? And whichever decision you make is okay. Just make one of the decisions because otherwise you may spend a lot of time doing extra work that needs to be redone, or alternatively, you might be missing deadlines. So, I mean, these, these are really simple decisions, but they're decisions that have to be made right at the start to make the collaboration work. Yeah, Gihan, and you talked about uh, time zones uh, just a moment ago, and our last principle touches on that, which is to think global. So this comes into play if you're working on a project with international members of a team. And that's something that uh, I do on a regular basis. So the people that I work with are scattered across the globe and work in various time zones, speaking different languages, adopting different ways of spelling and uh, using different kinds of currency and customs. So time zones in particular is something that even after a decade of doing this still trips me up. Only last month the people in Britain that I work with switched over to daylight savings time. So uh, time zones shifted by one hour and one of the meetings that I used to have at a particular time in the afternoon shifted by an hour and somehow collided with another meeting that uh, I was meant to be at. And I think it was, you know, one meeting was set up in one of one of our uh, team members' time zones and the others were set up in the other person's time zone. So eventually there was a collision. So it's that kind of awareness that you need to... to uh, to have, and most of us do, but every now and then we trip over. But uh, as well as time zones, there are other things like uh, languages. So, for instance, I'm lucky and I can be lazy. Most of the people that I work with can speak English, uh, but for many of them, it's not their first language. So, I uh, have a weekly meeting where we have uh, a guy from Australia who speaks a different language from the guy in Britain, and there's a, a guy in the United, in, sorry, in uh, India, and another guy in Switzerland. So, the, the Swiss and the Indian guys, English isn't their first language. So, you know, you have to uh, make allowances for that. And also, uh, you know, that means uh, uh, speaking clearly, unlike what I'm doing now, <laughs> speaking clearly with them uh, when you're on the conference call and, uh, you know, giving them the time and space to, to put their points across uh, clearly as well, because they're not speaking in their first language. And I think that even uh, applies to certain phrases. So if you say, like we can say that we'll we'll meet again in a fortnight, but Americans mm. may not know what that means. And and sometimes the meeting, sometimes the meaning is opposite. So if we say that we're going to table a topic, that means that we're bringing it to the bringing it to the meeting. Whereas I think if Americans say they table it, that means they're deferring it. So you've just got to be careful about phrases like that, which could yeah. be the exact opposite, and you just don't realise it because you're uh, you may not even be aware that you're using phrases like that. But that just comes with time. Yeah, that's right, Gihan. I think it's just a matter of practice and familiarity and, and awareness. Yes, and that that is happening. And as we're doing more online collaboration, people are becoming more aware of that. But still, these problems do occur. And some of them, you can automate your way around. So mm. if I send you an invitation in Microsoft Outlook and you accept it, then it will st store it in your calendar in your time zone, which is great. But some of the stuff, like the, the spelling and currency and customs, those sort of things, you just have to be aware of all the time. Yep. So that'll give you an idea of how to collaborate well online. Now let's look at some specific tools for making this work in your organization. And this applies to all organizations, small or large. So today we're going to be talking about how to use a cloud for collaborating 
as an out-of-office worker. And cloud computing is a general topic, and it's a, it's a big and growing area. One prediction is that by 2016, the Asia-Pacific region, which is ours, will be the biggest users of cloud computing, um, even bigger than North America, which is currently number one, but that will drop to number two. I guess to start off with, we should say that there are two kinds of cloud, and uh, sometimes some people don't make the distinction between them, but we can based on how we use them. So first of all, there's the idea of a personal cloud, and you know this if you are an Apple user and you're using the iCloud for your uh, phone, for your iPhone, your iPad, and your Apple Mac, you can store files in there uh, on one device and have them accessible on all the other devices. Um, same is true if you're using uh, Android and uh, you're a particularly a Google user or using something like Dropbox, where you can just share your documents and your files across multiple devices. But that's not what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the second kind of the cloud, which uh, we're going to call the shared cloud, which is where you share documents and files and a number of other things, uh, not just for, not just for yourself, but you share them with other people, and it allows you to collaborate. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, Kehan, I think it's timely because, as you mentioned, there is this personal cloud, and that's where all of the action is at the moment. So most of the content that's being stored in the cloud are things like uh, your photos, your videos, and music, and you're not sharing them with anyone. They're just for you to access them from various devices from your personal cloud. Um, what we're interested today is in, in today is how we can collaborate with others. So let's move on to something like business documents. Yeah, that's right. And so the way we've structured this is we've roughly grouped these uh, in each of these areas. We're going to talk about some simple tools that you can use and some more advanced tools that you can use. So if you're just getting started, uh, just use the simple ones. But um, we hope that'll be a stepping stone to using some of the more sophisticated ones. So if you're talking about business documents, as you said, Chris, the first one is one that I've already mentioned, which is Dropbox. And Dropbox gives you a hard disk on the internet. That's the simplest way, simplest way of thinking about it. And for uh, the, for most users, you're using Dropbox, as I said, as part of your personal cloud. Uh, Dropbox has always had a feature where you can have a public folder um, where you can have links that are public and you can share documents publicly. But recently, they've uh, enhanced that facility. So any document that you've got in your Dropbox folder, you can share a public link to it. And it's, an, it's kind of like a an obscure link so that nobody else can guess what it is. But you can share any link to any document with anyone else. And that's really great for people, to, uh, for you to share a document for people to open and download. It doesn't mean that they can edit it, uh, Dropbox does have a folder for that where you can share an entire folder with another Dropbox user and in, in effect you're both then sharing the same folder. And this has the this has a drawback in that anyone can edit documents in there and anyone can delete them and there have been stories of people trying to clean up their hard disk and they delete everything in their Dropbox folder not realizing that they're deleting it on everyone else's computer as well um, so that is one of the risks but if, you, if everyone knows the rules that's, that can work quite well and there is a Dropbox has an advanced feature called Dropbox for Business that lets you get around that and gives you better control of those folders and those documents that you share yeah so speaking of those kinds of advanced features Gihan uh, there's Tools like FilesAnywhere.com, which provides that kind of more sophisticated control over uh, the things that you share, more sophisticated than what you get with the vanilla Dropbox account. So it gives you better ways of viewing the folders that you're sharing with others, as well as better control and protection of the content that you're sharing. So it's uh, if you haven't signed up for Dropbox for Business, do you have a, a business subscription for Dropbox? You're just using the standard version. No, I'm using the standard one. I've just paid right. for a um, 
for more disk space, but in effect, that's all it gives me. It doesn't give me those extra features. Okay, so if like Gihan, you haven't got Dropbox, Dropbox for business, then things like Files Anywhere give you the same sorts of improved uh, controls over the files that you're sharing. Another thing you might consider doing when you're collaborating on business documents is sending uh, files to other people. Um, this is probably an inferior choice over maintaining a single copy of the documents in the cloud. So staying with the cloud storage system, uh, it's probably better to do that than send files to other people. But you might need to do that. There might be team members who can't share uh, the cloud copy. So there are lots of online tools for doing that. Um, one of the tools that does that is Hightail.com. So it covers both bases. So it, as well as providing a copy in the cloud that you can collaborate on with others, it also has uh, controls and tools for uh, sending files to other people. One of the other tools for sharing or collaborating on business documents that I get a great deal of value out of is Google Docs. So as well as providing a cloud storage system for your business documents, it also provides the tools for creating and editing those documents. So members of your team can all work on the same documents that are stored in Google Docs. And it also has some useful features like maintaining the edit history, the revision history, so you can see which changes have been made, when they were made, and by whom they were made, and you can revert those changes if you want to undo them. And you can also annotate your documents with comments, so you can leave a comment for other members of your team, say, asking them to add a bit more detail or querying uh, why they've added a particular bit of content. So that's a useful way of team members communicating with each other when they're collaborating on a document. And so Microsoft have recognized that and they followed suit. So uh, Google Docs offers the kinds of tools that you're probably familiar with from Microsoft Office, a word processor, a spreadsheet, a presentation tool. Uh, So Microsoft have uh, set up a thing called OneDrive. I think it used to be called SkyDrive. So OneDrive is Microsoft's um, cloud storage system for your business documents. And that serves as a cloud storage backend for your, your Microsoft Office tools, which are called Office 365 in their current version. So you can use Office 365, and you can collaborate with your team members in the cloud using Microsoft's OneDrive system. So it's a Microsoft equivalent of Google Drive or Google Docs. Um, It's just part of the Microsoft ecosystem, so you need to be using Windows and Microsoft tools if you want to to stick with uh, the Microsoft tools, which obviously are a bit more sophisticated than, uh, than the Google Drive tools. Yeah, great. Okay, so look, the, the next area is kind of closely related to this one. So we've called, the, like the first one we t- spoke about was business documents. The next one is notes and research. And I guess there's a little bit of overlap, like, for example, that whole idea of Google Drive or the, the Microsoft OneDrive, where you work on a document together, you can use that for notes and research. And we've just separated them because there are a couple of other specialized tools that you might use. Um, for example, a lot of people use Evernote uh, for keeping notes and again, mostly it's for their personal cloud, so you can share it among all your devices. So it's not usually considered for collaboration. But again, with Evernote, you can choose to share your individual notes or your notebooks with other people. Um, and you can do this selectively, so it's not sharing everything. And as with Dropbox, there is an Evernote for business that gives you more control over sharing. So if you are already an Evernote user and you want to collaborate and share your notes with others, just have a look at those features because not many people know about them, but they can be quite useful for that purpose. And if you want to move on to more advanced ways of storing your notes and uh, the content of your research, you could consider setting up a wiki. So we're probably familiar with the most well-known wiki is Wikipedia, but you can do this yourself. You can have your own wikis. You can 
have them either hosted on your intranet, and uh, that's what I do with one of my clients, or there are services online. There are cloud services uh, for setting up your own private wikis. I think, Gihan, you use one called editme.com for your first step staff. Yeah, exactly. So editme.com is our own internal support and procedures manual. And uh, it was something that, first of all, I used to just create it myself, and I would be the only one editing it. But now that I've got support staff who manage uh, manage clients, what they will do is if something changes with a client or with a support procedure, they can go in and update it themselves, which means that uh, it is it is a truly collaborative document or manual now. Right, right. And that's pretty much the way that we use wikis at work as well. It's really good for documenting processes for supporting applications and uh, and users. Mm. Uh, another way of um, collecting research and, uh, and, and um, annotating it is using online forums. So I use online forums as part of my technical research a lot. Uh, it's less structured than a wiki. You've got to wade through threads of conversations uh, devoted to particular topics. Um, but it's a really useful way of asking questions and finding out answers to similar questions that people might have asked in the past. You might also like to set up your own um, internal or private uh, online forum. And if you want to do that, then both Google and Yahoo have Google Groups and Yahoo Groups where you can do this. So you can have a special group devoted to a particular subject area and you can control who's subscribed to those groups. So if you just want to have members of your team in those groups, then that's what you can do with those services. And in some cases, if you want to uh, mirror or back those online forums with a mailing list, then that's possible as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's looking at documents and notes and research. Um, The next area we'll look at is calendars so that you can schedule meetings. Yeah, this is a big part of collaboration. Obviously, you need to get together occasionally and discuss the work that you're collaborating on. So the simplest steps you can do is if you're using something like uh, Google's Calendar or Outlook from Microsoft, then you can share that online. So Google Calendar is an online service, but you can also share it with other people, make it visible to uh, other members of your team so they can see when you're available and schedule meetings accordingly. You want to make sure that uh, you control the way that people access your calendar, you don't want uh, them to be able to delete and move meetings uh, without your without your control. So you just want them to be able to view it. Uh, with Outlook, again, you can also control whether people can, uh, who can see it, and uh, and not share it on the public internet. All of this talk of synchronizing calendars is is really useful and most effective for people who are working within a team. And it may be a virtual team and remote team with some out-of-office workers, but it's generally a close-knit team. The other... The other time that you want to synchronize or share calendars is when you're working with outsiders. There might be clients or there might be joint venture partners or other people like that who need to make appointments. And they don't generally want to share your calendar or you don't want to share your calendar with them or vice versa. But you want to have some sort of scheduling system uh, available in place. So uh, there's, there's... there's a number of options for this. So a couple that I've used for online scheduling, one of them is called TimeBridge. So TimeBridge.com is where you want to set up a meeting with people. And rather than you having access to the calendar, you say, here are five possible times that we could meet. And it, it sends out an email to everybody else who's invited to the meeting, and they can choose which times they're available. They can say which one they prefer. And then you hope that all the stars are aligned and everyone's going to be available at, at least one time, and then you pick that one. Um, another one that I've found 
quite useful is uh, it's got a similar purpose it's called need to meet so need to meet.com is a very simple tool where instead of use picking five options you basically mark on the calendar what times you're available and then so you can be more you can be more flexible you can provide all the times that you're available and other people then again go in and do the same thing they tick the times that they're available and then you have a look and coordinate one that's suitable for everybody and i find that's really handy so um if you want to set up a meeting with a number of people rather than having these emails going back and forth then you can use one of these tools either time bridge or need to meet um so that's really useful for just setting up in uh, like one-off ad hoc meetings if you're an organization or you're a person who needs to set up a lot of appointments so you're a hairdresser or you run some sporting courts or you're a business coach or consultant and you've and your your day is organized around meetings and appointments then you might want to look for something more sophisticated and if you're doing it Infrequently, that need to meet can work for that as well. So, for example, when I was traveling to Sydney last month, I set up a number of meetings and I set up this need to meet calendar showing my availability. Um, I let people pick times when they're available and then I'd mark them off so then they're no longer available. Um, it was okay. It was, it worked quite nicely because people could see what time slots were still left. It was a little bit of manual work for me because I had to go in and um, manually mark off times after people, after the time slots were taken. So, if you're going to do it a lot you don't want to have that manual work so you want some sort of online appointment software and there are a number of them one of them that i've uh, seen and used and recommended to clients is called bookfresh so bookfresh.com uh, lets clients book appointments and uh, they they pick the time they they book that time and then it gets marked off the calendar as being booked uh, and it's got a number of other features as well like it'll send you can set it up to send reminders before the appointment and um, send sms reminders and various other things and these are really easy tools to use and they're they're free or most of them are freemium which means that they're free for the basic version and then you pay a little bit of money generally a monthly fee for the advanced versions very good so having your address book in your personal cloud is a very convenient thing to do. Having it in your shared cloud means that you can collaborate with others in your team. So some of the simple things that you can do is if you're using uh, Google Mail, then your Google Contacts list can be shared with other people in your organization. So if you're using um, Google Apps, then people, if that's supporting your domain name, then you can use the delegation feature to share your contacts with others. Similarly, if you're using Outlook, then through Microsoft Exchange, you can make your contacts lists available to other people in your organization. Yes, and again, uh, this exactly the same as with the calendar. Those sort of things you've just mentioned, Chris, where you're just sharing your contacts list or your address book is probably something you might do if you're in a small team and they, they want occasional access to it. If you're doing this on a more sophisticated level where you've got you know, you may have a sales team and they all want access to the client database. Um, it's going to be more than just sharing an address book. So then you'd look at um, some sort of CRM system. And those are the sort of things which used to cost a lot of money and used to be only available to large organizations. But now there are a number of tools available which are very cost effective and they're in the cloud as well. So there were some old systems like ACT, which were basically run off your server, which meant that you could run um, a CRM locally, but it made it difficult for you to delegate that to other people, delegate some of the work. But now there are some cloud-based systems. Uh, 
Probably a simple one to start with is Solve360, so solve360.com. And if you want to go to the more advanced version, then one that's really well known is salesforce.com. And uh, those are very sophisticated systems for managing, well, we're calling this managing your address book, but it's really managing your whole database of contacts and you, know, you can group them in different categories. You keep you keep records of all your all the interactions with them. Absolutely. Okay. Now, email is a, a vital tool for collaboration. And again, if it's in your personal cloud, then you can access it from anywhere. But if you've got it in a shared cloud, then people in your team or people in your organisation can collaborate with you more easily. So, for Gmail users like me then you can grant access up to 10 other people to your Gmail, your your mail that's on the server. If you're using Google's apps service, the paid-for service, then that increases, that number increases to 25 people. And similarly, just like sharing your calendar in Outlook, it's also possible to share your mail folders uh, with other people that are on the same Exchange server in Outlook. Yeah, look, the, the advanced tools. I remember uh, we were talking about collaborating on this document, Chris, and uh, I wrote some notes about this, and I said I made a note saying, you know, are there any advanced tools for collaborating with email? And you, tongue-in-cheek, said, <laughs> what, about, what about Google Wave? And Google Wave is one of those products that Google launched and then killed off, actually killed off pretty quickly, mm. but it was supposed to replace email. So it's this online collaboration communication tool that is supposed to replace email because email is very clunky for collaboration. Um, as you've said, you can share your email with other people, but if you're using email to have discussions or organize meetings, it, it is quite clunky for that. Um, but you know, you mentioned Google Wave reminded me that uh, one of my clients, Citrix, has a product called Podio, P-O-D-I-O, that does similar things to Google Wave. Um, and I was talking to, um, when I was in Sydney, one of the meetings I had was, was with, my, uh, with my Citrix colleague there, or my Citrix client, and he mentioned that uh, internally within Citrix, they use Podio for everything. And the, the idea is that you should never use email again. Uh, except maybe externally, but you should never use it internally. And he said that they're using it. It's a challenge to get people weaned off using email, uh, but Podio is a tool that will allow you to do the sort of collaborative stuff that you would do using email, but using another online tool. Um, so have a look at that. So it's a tool called Podio, P-O-D-I-O. And again, it's, it has a number of different levels. It's a paid service, but it has a number of different levels depending on the size of your organization and the features that you want to use. Okay. So the other one is like um, online meetings. So tools for actually doing collaboration. And we talk about uh, immediate versus deferred communication tools. So immediate is where everybody has to be there in the same place at the same time. So not the same place, but uh, certainly the same time. And deferred is where you start a communication and somebody else can respond sometime later. So in the immediate communication area, the obvious thing is meetings. And when we're talking about out of office, we're talking about online meetings. There are many tools that you can use for collaborating online. And the the basic ones are Skype and Google Hangout. And uh, I've used both of them. So Skype and Google Hangout are both, they're, they're good for both the audio and video. And then again, the Citrix Citrix suite of tools. They've got GoToMeeting for online meetings, GoToWebinar for presentation type meetings, and GoToTraining for actually running training online. Um, and then there, there are many others as well. Uh, Citrix isn't the only company that does them. There are uh, WebEx and uh, there's this MS Link tool as well, Chris, which I'm not familiar with, but you might be. 
Yeah, so that's Microsoft's offering in that space, and it allows you to do things like teleconferences, audio conferences. You can do screen sharing and um, texting, and it's just an integrated solution to provide those kinds of immediate communications. Yeah, great. Right. And the other thing that goes along with that is that the tools that I mentioned and that we mentioned are specifically to actually run the online meeting itself. Uh, but there are other things that support it. So apart from recording, and recording is built into like the Citrix tools and with Skype and Google Hangout, uh, with Google Hangout, it's, you can have it recorded direct to YouTube. And with Skype, you can get free plugins or low-cost plugins to do the recording. But there are other things that support the meetings, like you can have uh, collaborative mind maps. So you can have during the meeting, people can be working on a mind map together. And there are a number of mind mapping tools. One that I've used is called Bubble, B-U-B-B-L dot U-S, um, where people can work together on a mind map at the same time. You can have a shared bulletin board, so it's less structured than a mind map, but people can just put notes up on the bulletin board, which everybody can see in real time. And one that I've used uh, used to be called Wallwisher, but now it's been renamed as Padlet, P-A-D-L-E-T. And there are other tools as well, like live chat tools, which allow you to have a chat window going on during your online meeting. Great. So that's immediate communication. When it comes to deferred communication, then there's uh, venerable email, of course. We've also mentioned online forums, so you can ask questions and someone might come along at a later stage and provide some feedback or answers. And the kinds of bulletin boards that you mentioned can also be used in a deferred way. Something that I've seen used recently is uh, Yammer. So it's a bit like a private Facebook group. So it's aimed at businesses that want an online forum where their distributed teams can discuss and share project work. So you can ask questions, you can post links to work that you've done, you can upload images and other content. So it's very much like the sort of interface. It looks a lot like Facebook, but it's more of a closed a closed group that's aimed at a team working collaboratively collaboratively on something. <laughs> yeah, and since you mentioned that, Chris, the other thing that just came to mind is another tool that you can use is Ning. So yeah. Ning.com, uh, I use that for my membership site, and it is like setting up a private version of Facebook. Um, you wouldn't necessarily do it for individual projects, but you might do it if you've got a team working together on a project for, for a long time. Mm, great. Okay, and the last area... Uh, it's kind of like a miscellaneous area. It's a miscellaneous like project management. Um, we're broadly calling this productivity tools. Uh, and there are online productivity tools now, so project management tools, the, the most, uh, probably the most popular one, certainly the most trending one, is a tool called Basecamp which is from a company called 37 Signals. In fact, I think they've changed their company name from 37 Signals to Basecamp because that is their one that, that is their leading product. And Basecamp is online project management software. So you can set up a project, you can um, have a number of people assigned to it, and you have the, the typical things that you have, milestones and accountability. But it also has the ability for you to share documents, to edit documents collaboratively, to upload documents into a shared workspace, all the sort of things that you'd want to do if you're running a project together with a team. Yeah, so the ones that I'm familiar with, Gihan, are more focused on software development. So there are tools like Jira, Track, and Bugzilla, and they're basically ticketing systems where users can report errors and then engineers can respond and hopefully solve those errors. But I think there are lots of 
similar tools, these ticket systems for customer support that aren't necessarily software development focused. They're also focused on customer support for all kinds of services and products. Yeah, I think you're right, Chris. Like there's online help desk systems where you uh, post a support ticket, you get back a, an email confirmation with a reference number attached to it. And then, you know, if, they, if they're doing their job right, if the team's doing their job right, then that issue gets resolved. And it actually allows different team members to to work together on the same item without having to go back to the customer and you know, get all the details over and over again from the customer because they're all stored in that in that online system. Um, I think I think that's mixed. I've I've had mixed results as a customer. Uh, some people use that system really well, and there's you know the providers actually making use of that. I've had others where. Yeah, the information's there, and uh, yet it seems like I'm working with three different customer service reps, and they all uh, keep asking me the same questions instead of going back to the online system where it's, where it's supposedly all stored for them. Right, yeah, it's supposed to avoid precisely that problem. Exactly. Mm. Yes. Well, you can only you can only write the tools. It doesn't necessarily make, mean people make good use of them. Speaking of which, let's wrap things up, Gihan. So we've talked about various ways that you can use cloud tools for online collaboration. So if, you, if you're not doing any of this sort of thing, then we've given you some simple introductory tools that you can make use of. And if you are already doing some of those simple things, then you can perhaps consider making use of some of the more advanced techniques and tools that we've spoken about. But I think the important thing is that the barrier to entry is really low. Uh, Most of your competitors will probably be using some, if not all, of these kinds of things. And if you don't start doing so, then you're missing out. So I hope you found this useful. By the way, if you're interested in subscribing to the Out of Office podcast, you can go to our website, which is based on the book that we wrote, Out of Office. So you can find it at outofofficebook.com. And there you can get the book, you can read our blog posts, and you can subscribe to the Out of Office podcast. So that's it for Expert Gold Radio this month. I hope you enjoyed the show and found something that you can take away and use in your personal and your professional life. If you'd like to engage with me in other ways, here are some other things that you can do. You can engage me as a speaker for your next conference and you can find out more at gihanspeaks.com. You can subscribe to my email newsletter, which is also called Expert Gold, at gihanperera.com. And while you're there, read and subscribe to my blog as well. And also sign up to my free webinar series. They'll help you with your personal and professional life, especially in how the internet has changed the way that the world works. You can also go to my video channel at gihanperera.tv and watch my regular educational videos. Or you can join my membership site, the eGurus community, at eGurus.info. I'll be back next month with more great content. Have a great month and bye for now. You've been listening to Expert Gold Radio. If you'd like to subscribe, read the show notes, or leave your comments, visit expertgoldradio.com. And remember, great minds don't think alike.